Welcome to the Fireman Trainers Podcast, part of ConcealCarry.com Network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about conducting classes when ammunition is scarce or expensive. We bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is also brought to you by the best smelling firearm lubricant on the market, Pig Lube. Pig Lube brings you the best performance by combining high-grade synthetic oil with nanoparticle technology for your firearm. The small applicator allows you to put lube where you want it without making a mess and without using any patches or rags. Easier to apply than traditional oils in your firearm and allowing you to get back to the range and let freedom ring. To learn more about Pig Lube and the technology behind it, go to piglube.net and use coupon code FTP20 for 20% off at checkout. Today, we are joined by Brian Eastridge. He's the host of the Off-Duty, On-Duty podcast and also a police firearm instructor. Welcome, Brian. How are things going today? They're going well in light of all the chaos going on in our nation. <laughs> it's pretty good here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, here in Cincinnati, I'm uh, very happy to be away from all the chaos uh, going on uh, uh, back there. But hey, this was suggested by Dave, uh, one of our listeners, to go along and talk about right now, twenty, the beginning of 2021, ammunition is expensive or scarce. Um, nine millimeter, it used to be 18 cents a round. Um, a year ago is now 60 plus cents a round, and that's for the reloaded stuff, you know, the white box uh, kind of ammunition. And wanted to know or have us go along and take the topic of figuring out how do you go along and take a class that you would normally teach and instead of doubling the price of the class with ammunition because two, three hundred uh, rounds in a class is going to add several hundred dollars onto the cost of the class, how do you go along and shrink the round count but still keep the quality and, and still uh, give the students the experience they need so they understand what you're trying to get across to them without go going along and make them think they missed something? What, what are your thoughts on that, Brian? Well, when you uh, brought this topic about a week ago, two weeks ago, when we, we discussed doing this podcast, I reached out to a lot of instructor friends of mine, and I'll call them the, the local kind of CCW instructors, mm -hmm. because they seem to really get it the worst. Your guys that are teaching, I would say, like higher level or advanced or something like that, their, their market share of students tends to be a little more niche and a little more to the people that either a have the means to buy ammo or b have stockpiled it for years upon years so when i reached out to i reached out to those guys those guys that were in the the the, the nra basic instructor type dudes that are mm -hmm. teaching real entry-level classes yeah and two common things came up one was with the advancement in the airsoft technology. And I heard this from several of them, uh, was they were buying fleets of airsoft, similar guns, right. That would, that had a reasonable measure of accuracy so that they could train fundamentals at five and five to seven yards and expend zero ammunition, CO2 cartridges and 
177 caliber projectiles, right? Mm-hmm. And to get the students engaged with a minimal expenditure of live ammunition or a live live fire ammunition, right? So that was kind of unique from that perspective. The other one was there are several systems out there now. The, the one that comes to mind is uh, a cool fire trainer. I have a friend that runs a lot of his classes with a fleet of guns that are equipped with a cool fire trainer so that he can get the basics out of the way with having a gun that has a mild report and a recoil and train fundamentals, accuracy, things like uh, just the, the basic things that we start with and get that out of the way without firing a live round. Does that make it that makes sense? Right. Mm-hmm. Like that. And that wouldn't kind of set me on my heels thinking, well, you know, I, I have never explored those other than the cool fire trainer. Uh, but there's some really good alternative methods out there right now. The other ones are of course, dry practice people or instructors running a dry practice session for a longer or more extended period of time before they go to live fire. And that was kind of the three solutions that were presented to me that I think were really valid. Mm-hmm. I want one question, uh, when it comes to airsoft, cool fire and dry fire practice, does Oklahoma require live, uh, live fire uh, for their, uh, CCW classes? Yes, they do. And, and okay. it, it's a 50, a 50 round certification. Okay. So essentially hit the target at, at three yards, know how to load and unload your gun and follow the four major safety rules, pass a, a, a short written exam. It, it's really pretty rudimentary. So when you get into follow-on training, and I've had several instructors, and even in my class, I have shaved down the amount of ammunition expended pretty considerably, and and also class time, because you know the working populace of of the United States, we only have so much time on a Saturday that we're giving up to not go to junior's ball game or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. I've trimmed my class times down a little bit. Um, I, I only did, I think I only did two last year, two or three, because just because one, the, the whole pandemic and all that, and then the ammo shortages, but in the classes that I put on, I had to really be cognizant of how much, ammo expenditure was happening based based on my my student group there right so mm-hmm. there were some exercises that i may have wanted to do three or four or five times that we kind of had to go you you're going to get one shot at this and talking to uh dave harrington was on the off duty on duty podcast a couple weeks ago and we talked about training versus practice and training being learning a new skill or being exposed to a new skill set. Well, if you're an instructor, the training is kind of where that that's kind of your, your lane. The practice is kind of up to the individual. So Mm -hmm. if you're running a class that has a training exercise and you do it, if you're going to test the student to some standard, yeah, you have to give them a practice time. 
But if you're just exposing them to concepts, you train them, it's their responsibility to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I could see, you know, once you were, you're talking, yeah, I could get replicas of, you know, Glocks or, you know, Smith and Wesson, things like that, airsoft and use those. Um, and when it comes to like magazine changes, I could very easily, you know, have multiple airsoft magazines or even in the live fire perspective, instead of going along and saying, okay, that's, you know, load them up with, you know, 15 to 17 rounds, maybe just putting five or six rounds in them. And then you still have the magazine magazine exchange. So they get those skills and they practice that and you can critique them there, but they don't necessarily have to go through those other, I mean, two, two mags of six would be 12 compared to two mags of, uh, 15 a piece would be 30. So you get right. a third, third of the rounds there, which would be a third of the cost. Yeah. And when I tailored the skill builder classes, my very, my initial jumping off into the skill builder one class, I said, Hey, you need to have three, 350 rounds to come to this, this course. And what I've had to do for people that have limited ammunition resource, right. Is I teach the same concepts. You're just not going to get the reputation or reputation, reputation. repetition. Sorry. <laughs> the, yeah. You're going to really, really bad reputation. No, you're, you're not going to get as many reputation. We'll, we'll mark that. Exactly. Down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but there's, there's like some warm up exercises that I do that are five rounds and about five minutes of critique or coaching in five rounds. So as opposed to in the past, you might shoot 10 rounds and okay, we're going to do a critique or we're going to, we're going to go over some different things, but I don't really dive off into, uh, you know, the reloads mag change, mag changes, different types of, uh, malfunctions, things like that until I do my part two course. Mm -hmm. And that is really catered to somebody that has gone through the part one training and practiced those concepts. And then once you've practiced those concepts, then you come back for the part two and it's a lot more round intensive or ammunition intensive, but it's also a lot more repetition intensive. So for the for the average person that that wants to gain some level of proficiency i don't feel like that requires a, a a ton of ammunition and once you gather those concepts practicing those with an empty gun is not really that not really detrimental so and for years and years we've as an industry we've been spoiled to the you know, I could for 180 bucks, I can get a thousand rounds delivered to my door in like four days, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was the guy kind of raising the flag back then going, these aren't, these times are not going to last forever. So, you know, skip a fancy meal once a month and order a case of ammo. So personally, I mean, I have a good supply of training ammunition, but the flip side of that is in my, my skill builder course, especially skill builder one. I, I'm in the process right now of drawing that down to a four-hour introductory course to present at the the Guardian Conference, the Guardian Nation Conference, mm -hmm. and it really hasn't been that big of a 
transition, so to speak, of, of eliminating some of the round count out of it. So, so I, I kind of encourage people, especially if you're teaching a concept that requires a lot of ammunition to garner or grasp the concept, you're really not teaching a concept that involves shooting so much as mechanical skills based around shooting. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I, well, the thing that's going through my mind as you talk about this is we as instructors, um, maybe we rely too much on just having the person shoot and shoot and shoot until they got it right. And maybe we need to go along and do a little bit more analysis to see how that person's you know, shooting one, one shot or how, how, you know, do a dry fire and see if they've got anticipation problems, those, those types of things versus going along and have them shoot a whole magazine before we tell them, Hey, you know, you've got anticipation problems. And by doing those things, I think the skills will be transferred over to the students properly. And those, okay, I got to, I don't, I don't want to anticipate. I want to have a nice smooth uh, trigger press and here's how I can practice that dry fire. And then I can shoot better when I'm actually doing, doing live fire. But you know, unless you've got a mandate, you know, for a CCW course for a certain round count, um, you can go along and obviously just adjust what you're doing to say, okay, we're going to do X number of dry fire, 20 dry fire. And then we're going to do five, uh, live fire, you know, 25 rounds there, but we've cut the costs, you know, by, by, by 20%. Um, and that would make it a lot more feasible, especially for the first time gun owners, which, you know, last time I saw estimated it was up, you know, above 6 million new gun owners. So a lot of the instructors out there are probably seeing those and going along and saying, Hey, you're going to come to a hundred dollar, uh, concealed carry class. And you got to bring $200 worth of ammo with you. I'm sure that could put them outside their uh, comfort zone because that's probably maybe as much as they spent on their, their original gun and you know, that they're bringing to class. So those are things that we yeah. need to consider. And that's, that's something else that, that came up when, uh, when, uh, super Dave and I were talking, we had a chat beforehand and a little bit during the, the podcast about, you know, I, I shudder to think about how much money I have invested into my own personal practice. And I don't mean training. I mean, practice of going and going out and doing and executing the skills that I've acquired. And a lot of people that are first time gun owners, you know, they'll like, for instance, they'll come to my class and I shoot the first warm up exercise and it's five rounds at five yards. And I get them up there and I have them shoot five rounds at five yards. And, and it, it, it varies in the degrees of accuracy that are occurring. And they look at my target and they go, oh my gosh, that's amazing. I go, well, it, it, it should be because I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into this, this skill that they, you know, of combative marksmanship over the last 20 years, I, I cannot even put into a number what, what that figure looks like for, for investment and ammunition and holsters and guns and training and, and attending class. So when I shoot that, it should be exceptional. It should be really good. Mm-hmm. And then of course they want to measure themselves by that. And I go, well, this is something to strive for, but you're missing the 20 years of, of, of investment in this. So when you boil your class down, you need to manage student expectations as well as manage their ammunition. 
Mm-hmm. And also a lot, like you said, a lot of the repetitions that you might do if you had, say, everybody had a thousand rounds of ammo and you had an eight hour class with 90 minutes of lecture and maybe five and a half hours of range time. A lot of people hear that and they go, well, that's not much in an eight hour day. And I'm like, well, stand on your feet for five and a half hours, right? <laughs> it's a, it's an exercise. Um, and then the exhaustion you feel as a student, multiply that times about five for the instructor who's making sure that everybody's safe, et cetera, et cetera. So what I did when, when the ammo crunch started to kind of happen is one, we, sh- we shoot our, our, 10 round warm up in five yard or in five rounds at about five, five, six yards. And then I spend a, not a considerable amount of time, but I spend a, a quite a bit of time going through each individual student and diagnosing the target and then making an adjustment, having them reshoot the, fi- uh, the same course that I just prescribed to them and immediately getting them to see the, the, the performance increase that they've gotten based on where their first five rounds were from their second. So in 10 rounds, there's this mass of learning. Whereas mm-hmm. before I would go fire 10 rounds at that circle go, well, okay, well now 10 rounds were, were, you know, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of $6. So as opposed to that, let's knock it down to three bucks and 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 teach based on that. And I think you can get a lot of value out of not as many rounds fired if you explore your own curriculum and look at ways to have an engaged lecture. And that that's something that I, I really, not to break my arm, pat myself on the back, but that's one of my strong points is you know, in a, in a small amount of, of live ammunition fire, I can give you a ton of information, probably more than you can retain, but we can do that and then still progress through the curriculum, but not have to be so shooting intensive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, got a question for you because I know every once in a while I have somebody coming to one of my classes with uh, reloaded ammunition. Um, and my big concern with that is, is did they reload it or did they buy it someplace that was reloaded because reloading can be a lot of fun, but it can also be a very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing and how to make sure that you're doing things properly. What, what's your thoughts on that? On just reloaded ammunition in general? Yeah. Come to your class. I don't have a huge issue with it until, and it's really easy to identify if you wear some type of hearing protection and you have the visual acuity to to keep on top of your students, but what I call the pop, pop, boom. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that before with, with some reloaded ammunition where you see a a small report, a small report, and then a large flash. That's usually the time you want to go to that person and go, let's talk about your ammo and let's see it. You know, what's the origin of this? Where did this come from? Who loaded it? Mm-hmm. And, and generally when I have people show up with remanufactured ammo, especially in my area, there's several reputable locations that do remanufactured ammo. So to me, it's not as big of an issue, but as an instructor, 
you need to be on your game, not just with the students, but watching how their gun is functioning their, you know, the report of their ammunition. I had a guy show up with a bucket, a hodgepodge of factory loaded ammo one time. Well, I start noticing his gun is going, you know, pop, pop, pow. And, and then just back in the routine. And I, I put a pause to it because most of the time in my classes, you're not going to shoot more than five or 10 rounds in succession anyway. And I, I pull him aside and I go, what's the deal with your ammo? And he goes, and he was a pretty proficient guy anyway. And he said, oh man, he said, I just dumped a bunch of ammo I had in the shelf. And I find some plus P plus 115 ammo in there <laughs> mixed in with 147 ball mixed in with 124 NATO. And I go, okay, well, you know, he's shooting gun X and it's rated for that. So let's move on. But he even identified, yeah, I've got some plus P plus that was just in the bucket of nine millimeter. I, I said, oh, well, proceed at your own risk. But if you can sort those out to the side, you might be a little more comfortable. So it, it is a, it is a factor, but you know, we're, we're kind of in some lean times with ammo. So I don't, I don't object to it provided it wasn't, you know, it, person X down the street loaded this on his kitchen table the night before he came in. You know, if there is some reloaded yeah, that's what ammo would wor in there. worry me, that's where, you know, I yeah. ask him about it. It's same thing with, with their guns. You know, if they bring a nice shiny gun to it, I'm less worried than if, I, if I'm looking over his shoulder and start seeing, you know, rust on it or, you know, a backside <laughs> that is, uh, you know, obviously off to one side or another, you know, those are, uh, clues they call them that you should pick up on and, you know, look a little bit further into it and see exactly you know, what's going on with the gun, what's going on with the ammunition, uh, all those types of things. Yeah. I, I shoot re reloaded ammunition constantly. Um, the, the commonality in all of it is I personally reloaded it. <laughs> so, and I've been a proficient reloader for 15, 15 plus years. So it, it doesn't bother. I, I have enough confidence in it. If, if a student was like, I need to borrow 10 rounds for this next exercise. I'd hand them my mag that, mm -hmm. but there again, I have a lot of proficiency running reloading equipment and years of investment and money and time. But as an instructor, you've got to be aware of more than just where do the bullets hit the target. And, and that's something that's really hard to convey when you're mentoring instructors is you have to have this global awareness, right? Mm -hmm. of, not just what's going on at the gun, but what's going on downrange and with the shooter and yep. with the gun. Yeah. What's going on behind you? I mean, like you said, it's gotta be, yeah. you gotta be a 360 view. And if anybody's out there and they're thinking about, Hey, uh, you know, getting to reloading, um, the thing I would say, recommend to you is make sure you get out and you get with somebody who's an experienced reloader or take a reloading class because too much powder, too little powder, wrong primers, wrong case, wrong bullets, all those kind of things can really ruin your day and potentially, you know, cause some serious injury uh, for it. And a good reloader will be able to warn you uh, about what to do, where where to do it at properly, all, all those different kinds of things, because I reload myself too. And yes, it's fun. It takes time to do it properly because when you don't do it properly, it just, it ruins your days. It is gun guy meditation. Mm -hmm. That's that's the way I look at reloading. But in my area, I, to reload, 
I actually, even though I had been reloading for quite some time, I went to a reloading class that a gun range put on for free for nothing more than to pick up some trade secrets. Right. So, mm -hmm. but, but like you said, caution, caution is the word when it comes to reloads, but we're, we're in lean times. We just are. And yeah. hopefully the ammunition shortage will lessen in the next few, you know, few months, but. But if it doesn't, then uh, guys are going to show up to your class with reloads, and you've got to be cognizant of what's going on. I was just at uh, Bass Pro last night picking some stuff for a class this weekend, and I was, you know, everybody knows the ammunition's short, but talking about reloading, you know, their reloading section, out of powder, very few bullets were available. The only thing that was in plentiful supply were reloading dies. And obviously, you only need one set of reloading dies for every caliber that you're doing. And I was just, uh, I was amazed. Uh, at it that you know they're everything in such short supplies you know primers powders um, everything but if you can get your hands a hold of them and get trained well reloading is a possibility for you i used to subscribe to one set of dies for uh each caliber i have worn out a set of nine millimeter dies and i've worn out a set of 45 acp dies so hey if you got the expendable cash pick up an extra set it doesn't hurt most uh definitely and uh do you use a factory uh die crimp to resize the, your uh, rounds at the end. Just curious, uh, factory crimp die for like for life stage or no, for, for your, uh, pistols. So I know on my nine, nine, my, I got nine millimeter, you know, loads that, that gets everything crimped. And then I, then I do the, the final one, which is the factory die. And I can dial that into exactly the way I want it to be. I typically use the taper crimp bullet, the bullet cedar and taper crimp. Okay. I, I've never had any problem with that. Just curious uh, about on, that. on pistol, lower pressure pistol cartridges. No, but on uh, rifle ammo, that's a whole, that's something else. People need to realize re reloading pistol ammo versus reloading rifle ammo. That is two different sciences right there. Yeah. Well, and, even there with shotgun shells, you know, there's a third science there. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, Hey, Brian, um, new this year, we've been asking our guests the last year about books that they're reading, but this year we're changing around a little bit, asking for who an influential instructor or book that you've read that you, you would suggest an instructors out there, uh, check, check up on. Well, I'll, I'll answer both of those. So influential instructor for me, uh, probably the guy that's had the most influence on training methodology would be Ernest Langdon. Uh, I, you know, he's, uh, I, I get to call him a friend, you know, we keep in touch, but, uh, he's probably been the most influential instructor. And as far as reading material right now, I've kind I'm kind of revisiting some Jim Cirillo stuff, guns, guns, bullets, and gunfights. If you're an instructor, you need to read that. And especially if you've been through some training on, uh, oh, like shooting on command and subconscious performance. And you can quantify that while you're reading his material, which is, I, I'll just admit it. It's, it's a bit dated. It's a bit, uh, I, I say it's dated. That doesn't mean it's not valid. It's just the language that he uses and the way that he dissects and talks about different situations. If you apply modern knowledge to that, there was a lot of great, um, there was a lot of great takeaways in, in his material. And 
I've never gotten into like tales from the stakeout squad, but guns, bullets, and gunfights really change the way that I look at defensive shootings. Mm-hmm. So that, that one's, uh, especially, like I said, if you've invested the time into training and things like that, when you read that book, it will really craft the way you uh, look at defensive shootings. So good, good. Two good uh, suggestions. Well, where can people find more about uh, Brian Eastridge and Eastridge uh, Training Company? Well, the training company, be, thanks to, I hate to pawn it off on the pandemic. It could be just laziness, but I still don't have a website up with that. I'm, I'm going to call our brother Jacob on that deal and maybe uh, <laughs> for 2021. But uh, I'll be teaching at the Guardian Nation Conference, the first of, I hope, many that uh, is going to be right here in my backyard in Oklahoma City. I'll be teaching at that in September 17th, 18th, and 19th of this year. As for my own classes, I've kind of been uh, a little more committed to Belt Company this year with EDC Belt Co. We just dropped a website, edcbeltco.com, and doing the podcast at offdutyonduty.com. So part of our concealedcarry.com podcast network but uh but the off duty on duty is probably the best way to get a hold of me and uh edc belt company that's that's the other method but uh, as far as training schedule this year i'm still wide open uh we were i i was actually planning on doing north carolina this year again Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just happened. The dates that it fell on are the same as the guardian nation conference. So I'm bringing Michael Burgess is coming here to help out with the guardian nation conference. So it worked out. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't have a website up just yet. I'm that's still kind of in the works, but, uh, yeah, EDC belt co and off duty on duty. That's, that's where it's at right now. Well, I'll put links to those in the show notes again and uh, i know i'm hoping to make it out to the guardian nation conference uh, the inaugural one out there in oklahoma city in september and uh, hopefully see a few people that are uh, can make it out there also um the lineup of speakers is uh, really really good and for three days worth of uh knowledge like that i have not been able to make it out to a conference like range master and such i'm in ohio making it in dallas and places like where they've had it is a little bit of uh, too long of a weekend but um, Oklahoma City, I think uh, I, I'm going to try to make sure I can swing that. Excellent. It should be a good for a first conference. It should be exceptional, I would think. Yes. Check out the show notes, everyone, because uh, there will be the link. And I don't have all the names off the top of my head that will be teaching, but it will be worth your time to be there. That's for sure. Well, Brian, I appreciate your time again for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge with everybody, because I think in uh, today's climate and with ammunition, uh, prices being as high as they are and how scarce it is, I don't think things are going to change for maybe a year or two. Um, And all the instructors out there should be thinking about ways of making a little bit more accessible to the students and uh, also making sure they're being compliant with any state mandates for like concealed carry courses. But um, most of the courses... um, you know, a lot of us do are not state mandated. So go along and, and make adjustments as we talked about. So thanks. Thanks again, Brian. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on again. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We got a few requests for our loyal listeners. First, go out and encourage other instructors to follow us on social media, on podcast, 
and make it um, a point to point out to them about the great information that you're getting from the podcast so that they can have it also. Um, if they're wondering about reducing round counts for their classes or alternative ways of doing classes, uh, this would be a great podcast. It's just to have it. And at the same time, uh, having them subscribe, make sure you visit our sponsors, especially the firearms trainers association at FTAProtect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage, both for you and your students. Remember to use promo code FTP 10 for 10% off. Have any ideas, questions, feedback, please email us at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.